It's like God flooded over me and I pictured the cross and Christ was really speaking to me that he remembered me at that point. He knew and he was with me and by his stripes I was being healed. Then I came to this place of peace where I could actually pray for my ex-husband. Hey everyone, it's Mary DeMuth and this is The Restory Show. And today I'm welcoming Norma Brombaugh to the show. And she is uh, the author of a book of contemplations called The Meeting Place. Norma, welcome to the show today. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So give us um, a little snapshot of how you grew up and maybe a little bit of your origin story, Norma. Well, I'm a farm kid from Northern California and from a very strong Christian family. So um Went to church all my life, has served in the church most of my life, and um, really have that down, that part of my life. But um, it, it was just a part of it, and I um, have learned to go much deeper with God after some trials came my way. Oh, you mean we have Christians have trials? I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So what is the story that you'd like to share with the Restory listeners today? Well, I would like to talk about hope, and the people I like to speak to are the silent sufferers, the people who are in church, but their story is deep in them because they can't share it. Um, there are so many of us. I, for 20 years, I was that person sitting in the pew, not able to talk about what was going on in my life, and I didn't really know it was abnormal to be that way um, because I was obedient. And that's where I feel my story is a little unusual in that I didn't um, I didn't ha- go out and do wild things. I just tried to do all the right things, but it wasn't enough. And I had to get to a place where I could lean on my father um, for him to change that in me. So you said that, you know, um, you're kind of like me in the sense of just trying to be a good girl, trying to be a pleaser. What intersected your life that made you think, but wait, God, I've done everything right. Why is this happening to me? Well, there comes a place where you say, I can't do this anymore. And I think it it comes down to that, where you finally have exhausted your resources. I mean, you've been depending on God. But I, I had a double whammy in one week where my husband went out on me and left the family. It wasn't the first time, but this one was permanent. And I lost my teaching job because they discontinued my position. And so I had put so much into both of those. And I had I was running on empty anyway, because I had a troubled marriage, 21 years, and had gone through a lot of episodes I never talked about. And so at that point, I actually took a journal and wrote down what I wanted God to change in me. And it's amazing how when you really put it to God and say, okay, you do it, because I I don't know how to do this, that he really started changing me. And um, I put down 12 things. By a year, all of them had been met to some degree. But it was because I was seeking. And when you start seeking, um, it's wonderful. So you'd been married 21 years, and you said that your husband had left other times, but that this one was permanent. So how did you know it was permanent, and what happened on that day? Well, it's the way he said it. Yeah, The other times, he abandoned me, and so I wasn't in the conversation. He left, and I didn't know where he was. That happened two times early in our marriage, and one of them also included infidelity. 
So um, they were not, I was not in the church I go to now. Uh, so they didn't know about that. And when I came to this church and we worked as a family, my husband was active in the church too, not as much as me, but how I knew it is how he said it and that he told the kids, we have five children. And at the time they were ages four through college. And um, he, he just told them and the way he said it to them, I knew there was no, I, my heart didn't want to give up on it. That's a hard thing when you're loving when it's hard to love. Exactly. And, and, yeah, and that's where I identify with a lot of women because the church doesn't always know how to meet our needs. And so I want my message really today is that there is hope for everyone and that it's found in Christ because he walked with me through it. Or else I really think I would have had, um, would have fallen apart. So that night uh, or day or whenever it was that he left you and the children had heard him say that he was leaving. Uh, what did you do? What was the first thing that you did? I called my pastor and just asked him. Then It was on a Sunday, and I, I just left a message, please pray for us. And he, um, he's one of these people who really does care, so that made it easier. And then he encouraged me. I had a couple friends, really friends are key, who would say things like, you know, this isn't the end this is the beginning of something different and they would say there's bends in the road that you just have to negotiate when you come to them um but what was most transforming for me was i started spending tons of time in the word and opening myself up to god's um help and one one story i want to share is that i I was in a church that did not really emphasize healing. So I and I'd heard that some people were suspicious of that sort of thing. And I thought, well, I'm walking close with God. Maybe what I need is healing. So I I put it out there and said, you know, if you want to heal me of some of these things, I, I'm open to it. And within a few weeks, he brought a memory back. And I thought, oh, I guess this is what he, one of those. And so I remembered the memory, and I cried, really, you know, just those heart-wrenching um, prayers. This was when I was first told I wasn't loved by my husband. And then I thought through, well, what did I believe at that point? And what I believed was that I wasn't wanted, and I wasn't loved. Well, and then I just, it's like God flooded over me. And I pictured the cross, and Christ was really speaking to me that he remembered me at that point. He knew, and he was with me, and by his stripes, I was being healed. And um, anyway, then I came to this place of peace where I could actually pray for my ex-husband. And um, about two weeks later, I noticed something different about me. I'm not the same. What is it that's different? And what I realized is I was no longer sorrowing. That deep inside, I had been sorrowing all those years for the girl I lost. I lost myself in that and the lies I had believed about myself. Um, and anyway, I used to go off by myself to cry. And I didn't have to do that anymore. It was complete. I mean, there were other times he healed me of other things. And it's like you 
you know, you're damaged in layers, but you're also healed in layers. And I think that will go the rest of my life. Um, but the the deep wound, it the scar was there, but it was no longer tormenting me. And so that's just a praise, and I believe it's for anybody. And that's why I like to speak um, or share. Yeah, I love that. And I think, um, now how much longer after your husband had left that you prayed that prayer, you had that experience? Six months. And so then when, um, tell, give us a little bit of the timeline of like when the divorce happened, how did it, was it quick? Was it long? Was it contentious? How did that work for you? It was um, 10 months from start to finish. Um, what was hard, it wasn't contentious. That actually came later in, uh, we had, he sued me for custody of our, our do- youngest daughter. That was much more difficult in a different way because I wanted to protect her. Um, yeah, the I would say the whole process for me really um, coming to where I really felt strong again was five years. But it wasn't so much about the divorce. It was me healing that it was over because I put my life and soul in it and trying to find my own way, who I was. And I was leading women at my church. And that was, I was the women's ministry director. And it was just so exciting because when I learned things, I shared them with them. And there, it's just how God does it. So they were uplifted. And I was uplifted. And So, you know, it spills out. Exactly. So when you receive healing from God and when you have walked through those very dark times in the deep waters, then you can also pour out to others, which I appreciate about what you've had to share. So how did your children go through their own grief journey about the end of the marriage of their parents? Well, I think they get damaged differently. Um, The boys have more of a, I have three sons more of a struggle of becoming a man. And I think it's still playing out. Um, They're all in a better place than they were. Um, It was devastating because, you know, I I was one of those who hid things from my kids. They didn't know our family had trouble, that my husband and I had trouble because we didn't fight in front of them. Actually, that home was pretty quiet. It wasn't, there wasn't much fighting or I don't know. I think partly because I'm very calm. just calm. Um, And my daughters, it's more trust, trust issues. You know, when it comes to marriage, it comes to dating. Um, Really wanting a man who will be there, not because they're pretty, but because they want to be there. You know, that sort of thing. And I think it's still playing out. Um, They've all come a long way, but, you know, it... It changed their world. Yeah. I mean, I'm a product of three divorces. And so I, I I forget about that part of my story because I have other dramatic parts of my story, but that's a big one. I mean, just, you know, watching things dissolve before your eyes and thinking that they're going to last a long time, it really uh, breaks your trust in humans, especially if it's your dad, you know, that you, you know, you thought good things of or you... Um, 
like my dad in in my story was my hero and it wasn't until later I started looking back going wait a minute <laughs> he did not do heroic things but just because I was his daughter he was my hero so it's hard when those things happen um, but I'm sure that you're uh, you know having that part of the grief I'm sure is walking alongside your children and bearing the weight of what they're walking through as well is that would you say that's true absolutely yeah. So um, as you've thought about just your past story when you were married and you mentioned that you didn't share it openly with your kids or with your church, um, what would it, would it have been helpful had you done that? And what would you have hoped the church would do if you had been vulnerable in that way? Well, of course, it takes real honesty. And pe- there has to be safety. And I'm not sure all churches are safe. I would say mine would have been in the middle, um, but some churches are much more to step up in that area. I think um, it starts with us. You know, um, I see where I'm much more open now. When I was injured, I kept everything to myself. So I was partly guilty, really, because I was afraid if I pulled the plug, it'd all come out and I'd cry and I'd never stop. I wouldn't go to women's conferences because I was afraid of start just the dam coming unplugged. And um, see, I was a leader in my church. I think that puts pressure on us. And you know, to, it's, so that performance trap. Um, yeah, I think it would be much much better. We can help more people. Um, if we can really be that way. I, I In my women's group, I changed the direction of the group after I started experiencing healing and taking it more in that direction because I figured out those many elderly women came to it. I thought they have to have buried hurts that you know, they need to deal with and become real with. Um, there was one other thing. I don't know if it's a little off this topic, but my sister uh, um, committed suicide. And so that was another layer of knowing there's a lot of people out there who are damaged by that as well. And they're even more enclosed because when they tell me, it's always in private. And and they'll say, no one in the church knows this. And so that and the solution is the same. The solution really is um, this bonding with Christ that happens where he becomes your all in all. And I've experienced that, and um, it's my joy. Yeah, I love that. Now, how old were you when your sister took her life? Uh, let's see, 38. Okay, and was it, uh, did, you, did you think that that was going to happen, or was it a shock, or how did, how did you process that? Of course, it was a shock, but I had been close to my sister. I knew she struggled, but she was a professional, very uh, accomplished person, um, I'd seen her four weeks before it happened. She lived in Oregon. I'm in California. So I don't think anything ever really prepares you for it. Um, And I just wish, sometimes I think I could help her now. Whereas she was always worried about, because my husband had struggled with depression, she was always worried about us, you know. And so I was, you know, there for her, but she was worried about us. How do you think the church can do a better job with people who are battling depression? Oh, just the, back to the openness. 
but you have to have solutions. And I'm not sure we always give the right solutions. Because um, we have this, one of the things I tried to do was retrain my mind. Because you can get on these paths and like a deep rut that you just keep going down. And I had to learn to place something else, something else inside that rut. So I wouldn't keep going there. And it took time, a lot of time. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, there's there's lots of things that we can do to help people in depression, listening to them, pointing them to resources, um, uh, helping them find help, uh, all really good things. Um, where, what kind of role has has prayer played in your life in terms of battling those kinds of negative thoughts? Uh, how has prayer intersected that? I mean, obviously we know that the word of God has, is full of truth and we can memorize it and, and um, combat those lies with that truth. But how does prayer uh, figure into that? And that's not to say to those listening who are battling depression or who have tried to commit suicide and, and uh, all of that, that that prayer is the only answer. There's lots of answers out there. It's a very complex problem. <laughs> so I don't want to say that, but I do want to just ask like what role prayer had in the midst of, you know, walking out of your marriage and, and bearing the weight of your children's story and all of that. Huge, really. Um, prayer for me has become more of a conversation. And there are certain times right now, the Lord has impressed me to pray a certain amount of time every morning because um, there's a struggle going on that I'm in the middle of right now. And anyway, I don't how do I have to answer that. To me, prayer, there's prayer and then there's deeper prayer. The deeper prayer is more of a joining, a more of a um, closeness to God where, you know, I think you have to be so honest with God. And we tend to not want to do that. We tend to want want prayer even on our terms. But, but what I find that has changed me a lot with the prayer is that I will, I let's say depression. I, I sometimes struggle with it. I can start telling it because I've walked this way so long that I, I realize when I'm getting in a danger zone. And prayer helps me with that. You know, especially I, I will ask God, so what do I need to know? What's going on? And I've learned to discern on the answers because you, know, you can have other thoughts coming that aren't God's. Um, and even how I ask questions to God, I no longer ask questions that have yes or no answers. Because my mind will flip to a certain answer. And so now I just ask God to show me. Show me what you want to do. And then he'll bring two or three things, maybe through the word of God or other people that direct me or peace peace is very big but yeah prayer walks with me I I love it <laughs> that's really great to hear and I think you know as I've been teaching about prayer and uh my book Jesus Every Day came out a couple months ago and it's all prayers for 365 days of the year so um and now I'm doing it on my podcast, a new podcast called Pray Every Day. So I, I'm in that realm of praying for people every single day. Uh, so that has, one of the things I'm learning in prayer, the more I do it, is that it's not about, and you've hinted at this, it's not about 
projecting your agenda onto God. It's more about cultivating a relationship with him and uh, experiencing him. And like you said, not having those short teenager conversation (laughs) questions like, how are you doing? Fine. What are you doing right now? Nothing. (laughs) So instead of having that kind of like quick conversation to ask for more interaction, I think is really wise and it shows a deepening of your prayer life. And that's, I would encourage my listeners to really consider that prayer is a gift. It is a privilege and it is a conversation and it is a relationship and it's not just a Santa Claus list. Um, so much more. It's where God meets us. It's where our spirits can find refreshment. It's where we can say, hey, God, I'm I'm going down this path that I don't like. Help me. Or what should I do in this situation? Or how can I be less bitter? Or how can I forgive that person? So I love what you had to say about that. So what advice would you give to someone who has gone through a similar experience uh, in your case of uh, having a spouse walk away and having to kind of reframe a brand new existence? What advice would you give? Well, first of all, I, I would say you need to figure out who you are. And um, you almost have to separate your thoughts from your feelings because feelings will, you can't depend on them because cause you're feeling all this stuff. But the thought, you know, what do you want God to do? And I say open up to him. I know it sounds simplistic when I say it, but it is not. I think that's the key is where you finally say, I I can't do this. And I wanted to know God, so that was an added layer. And now he's really like a close friend to me. And I understand more how... He really is right there holding my hand as I go through the journey. And it's, it seems like it gets harder, not easier, but I have something in me that gets me through it. And that's through Christ. So I don't know how to really put it. Yeah, no, but, that's really good. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so um, if you look over the past year of your life, well, first, let me let me back up a little bit. I remember you said something about 12 things you wanted God to do in your life at, after you went through this trauma and this trial. Can you tell us one of those things and what did God do to change you? Well, the first one was change me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wanted God to change me. And then I wanted him to give me joy. I have something to show you. See if we can show up. A rock with joy, joy. yes. <laughs> and um, I got that from after I spoke for in that little town in the mountains. And a lady came up to me. She had the same first name as me. And she says, this is my worry stone I've been carrying around for 20 years because I want to have joy and I've never had joy. And she says, but from something you said, she says, I understand. And you can, I'm giving this to you because I don't need it anymore. And she was a petite little woman, um, probably in her late 60s. And I was so blessed by that because you can't manufacture joy. Joy is something that God gives us. And as we draw closer to him, then the joy comes in us and fills us. And um, there's just nothing like it. Um, So joy is what I've received. And one of the things I asked for, because I knew I didn't have it. Yeah, and that's pretty uh, counterintuitive to what you should have experienced, because it was such a hard thing that you walked through. So as you look over the past just 365 days, the past year, how has God restored you this year? 
Okay, well, I have, well, I have to back up. Three years ago, I asked God to make me a good neighbor. When I asked him to do that, he brought people into my life that needed my help. And one, the first one was like a week later, an old friend of mine who I didn't know very well, her husband had just left her and she said, can you meet with me? And now I have like five ladies that I meet with and I'll usually um, take like a full morning with them. And so I schedule them. I can't do them all every week. And really they're all were at different places in that journey, but they're all wanting freedom. And um, so we meet and I listen and then I'm not trying to push my life into theirs. It's just there's openings where I can say, you can consider this, you know, this might help. And some things are even just diagrams. You know, there are ways to get off the negative paths. You know, there's a lot of things I've learned that I just share. So really that's been the biggest one. It's just these one-on-one conversations. Um, They're exciting though, because I see them growing and now they're starting to share with other people. So it multiplies. I love that. And that's, you know, what Jesus talks about in Matthew 28 about going and making disciples. It's, there's such joy in taking your story and having him redeem your story in such a way that you're pouring into the lives of others. Well, I love that about your story, Norma. And thank you for joining us today. Uh, thank you so much. I'm <laughs> so glad you, you came. Thanks everyone for listening to the Restory Show. Do you mind if I pray for you? Jesus, I pray for Norma, and I thank you for her story. I thank you for taking her out of um, a difficult situation and giving her joy and teaching her to be a neighbor to others. And I pray that over my audience today. I pray you would teach us to be neighbors. I pray you would help us to open our eyes to the needs of others and help us to uh, not just live in our own little bubble, but to go beyond it. And thank you, Lord, that you restore the pain that we've endured. And in, there's such a beautiful thing that happens when we're able to take that pain and use it to help others. There's, it's almost like the joy from that is multiplied beyond the pain that we experienced. And so, Lord, I pray that you would send neighbors into our lives, friends into our lives, people into our lives who we can love on and to help and to listen and to empower and to dignify, to listen to their stories. So, Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for dying on the cross for us. We pray all this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. So if you'd like to know more about today's show, go to RestoryShow.com for the latest episode and information. And also, if you'd like to record a story for the Restory Show, you can go to MaryDemuth.com. And on the right-hand side, you will see a little microphone, and you can record up to a four-minute story that will add on to one of the Restory Show episodes. And also, if you'd like to be a Patreon sponsor of the Restory Show, I have uh, several of you out there who are um, sponsors of a dollar a month, $15 a month, who are helping to keep this show on the air. And there is a link in the show notes. So thank you, everyone. And may you live a brand new story this week.